into the trap of chasing numbers rather than chasing making genuinely good content that people would actually want to watch. And if you focus on that more than the numbers, then the numbers eventually come regardless. I think it, it, could, it absolutely could be so successful with such a niche audience. Stuff comes your way and you just have to learn to deal with it. Basically, I want to be Lelujo. I want to, genuinely, Kev, loves what he does and does what he loves. Hello all and welcome back to the Scouting Centre. I am your host, Mr. Diz TV. And today, my guest is a giant in the content creation world who's managed to combine his passions and make it a full-time career. He is close to being in the top 1,000 UK YouTubers. Bear in mind the 65 million people in the UK. He's close to being in the top 1,000. He started making FIFA content on YouTube in 2013 and sits here today with close to 280,000 subscribers on his main YouTube channel. He's managed this by constant hard work, uploading over 5,300 videos in that nine year time frame, which has accumulated over 100 million views. This passion has led to him being part of the EA Game Changer program as well as doing a multitude of other collaborations. He's a Twitch partner who regularly streams his FIFA videos as well as another passion of his, Football Manager. He's part of the Streamer Showdown team and although yet to win one, his entertainment is always second to none. He's also a huge Formula 1 fan and you see him streaming his F1 content and with F1 2022 around the corner, I'm pretty sure it will be coming soon. This person has worked with Chelsea Football Club, Football Manager, EA Sports, Soul Rare, Prime and so much more. The Scouting Centre is so privileged and honoured to have him on as a guest. Please welcome Chesnoid Gaming, Chris. Chris, how are you, buddy? I'm very well, thank you, man. That was such a beautiful intro. I didn't. It's not until someone actually lists it off that you realise, I've been at this nine years, quite a bit's <laughs> happened. <laughs> Well, it's, it is brilliant. You have been at this for nine years and you have achieved so much, my friends. What has been a personal highlight of yours in, in that nine-year period, if you could pick one moment? Probably getting the chance to play on the pitch at Stamford Bridge via EA Sports, like FIFA World Cup 2018 opportunity. So how did that Although, come about? I might have... Some, well, I do have something that's going to trump anything and everything I've ever done being announced in a few weeks, which is a bit of a scoop. Oh, oh, I'm excited. Oh. I'm excited. Will, will, you be, will you be honoring us with this scoop at the end of this, um, at the end of this video? Uh, I can't until I've had my <laughs> official first meeting this coming Thursday. Yeah, of course. But it might have something to do with something that I'm holding up to the camera right now. And that's all I'll say. Okay, well, excellent. I look forward to it. I obviously can't see your camera right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's Proud, not... pr Proudy, it's to do with that. <laughs> uh, uh, I, can't, I can't wait to, like, when you upload the, the video. Oh, so you're not, and I'm you're gonna now going to have to wait for the next hour and a half to see what, what it is that I'm on about. Uh, uh, the pain, the pain that I feel. <laughs> but tell me how that... The FIFA 2018, the the playing on Stamford Bridge. Stamford Bridge. Yeah, how so did that we, come about? We've obviously been part of the EA Game of Changer programme and what is now the Creator Network for a few years. And there are various different recording opportunities for early gameplay capture. 
which is generally normally at the beginning of each FIFA launch, each yearly cycle, there is a capture session. Because with certain international competitions, depending on licensing and who else has licensing, etc. Uh, for this particular example, we had uh, an early capture session opportunity for the World Cup, for FIFA 18, for the World Cup DLC that was coming. And as part of that, EA were able to arrange something for us to help aid, promote the the World Cup mode and A or B just as a kind of a an incentive to go almost and like when we have FIFA events they always try and make you know the, there's the work side and then there's the fun side and the fun side on this particular occasion was playing a game uh, on the pitch at Stamford Bridge and obviously Chelsea meaning so much to you because you are a Chelsea fan Yes, although I will officially put on record, as I have many times, Cambridge United are my number one team. As I get, I get that, oh, you're a dirty two team. Like, oh. <laughs> I um, saw that on the, on the Football Manager Streamer Showdown website. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, Cambridge United are my number one and my main love, but I follow Chelsea through connections with friends. So, yeah, I do follow Chelsea, but if it, let's put it this way. If it was Cambridge United versus Chelsea in the FA Cup, I'd be wearing amber and black and in the home end. No, oh, fair enough, fair enough. But let's go back all the way back to that February 2013 when you started making that content. Hey guys, how's it going? Chairs back again and welcome to episode number 11 of the second series, or second season even, of this Sunderland career mode. Although technically I guess it's not really Chairs back again, it's uh, Chairs here because this is going to be the first video that is being uploaded onto the new Chesnoid Gaming channel. Can you tell me what inspired you? What What was the... The final factor that thought, okay, I'm going to make YouTube videos on FIFA. Well, I'd been watching content for a few years already. Just in general, like before you go to bed, just on your phone or what? Well, I don't even know whether I think at that time it was an iPod. Um, and I just enjoyed watching content. And at, at that particular moment in my life, for various personal reasons, wasn't doing anything. So I just picked it up as a hobby. And actually, like the Chesno Gaming Channel started in 2013. I actually had a previous channel before that called Bang Average that I had for about 18 months and very nearly made it to a 1,000 subs that I've been uploading FIFA and Call of Duty and Forza Motorsports and all sorts on. And even prior to that, uh, I had in Football Manager. It all started with Football Manager, you see. In FM oh, 11, yeah. I think it was, so in like late 2010, early 2011, I uploaded the highlights. You could upload the highlights from each game in the in-game itself, and it would just upload to YouTube, and then you could obviously edit the descriptions, etc. And I did that for uh, about 500 different games throughout the course of a career. It was called Woody's FM 11 Journey. <laughs> I've no idea if the channel still exists. You're more than welcome to have a look. Uh, I didn't do that well, but I guess that kind of paved the way for the rest of my football manager career, I suppose. <laughs> Maybe there is a streamer showdown win in there somewhere. <laughs> but do you know but what's yeah, mad so about that? That would actually make you the longest or one of the longest current football manager content creators. Yeah, I imagine it would. Because I yeah, think Jack started like... in 2012. So uh, yeah, that... I was uploading. I mean, there was no commentary. It was literally just game highlights, and then I'd like write a blurb in the in the description and go as far as to write like players and match ratings and lineups and 
but yeah, that, that's where my content creation journey, so to speak, officially started was with FM11 and like 14 second highlights of terrible looking game engine footage. <laughs> so has gaming been something that's followed you throughout your whole life? I was always... It, well, I got my first PlayStation at 11 or 12. Mm. I wasn't allowed a, a games console when I was a kid kid just because parents didn't think it was suitable for a young child to have a video games console. So I'd always, but I'd always been intrigued by it. And whenever friends had consoles, I'd always wanted to play on theirs or uh, wanted to, to borrow their console, etc. So when I then first got my first PlayStation at 11 or 12, and my first game was FIFA and my second game was Formula One. And that was 22 years ago. So... I think I was kind of destined to do this, to be honest, in some regard, to work in that either video games, f footballing or Formula One industry. And somehow I've managed to combine the three. So your early passions are FIFA, F1 and later on in life, Football Manager. And now you're making content on all three of them. Yeah. I mean, if LMA Manager was still a thing, I had the original <laughs> LMA Manager on, on PlayStation 1. If that was still a thing, then I would have made content on that as well probably i don't think weirdly i don't think i've really changed that much in like <laughs> 25 years Ch changing is overrated trust me it's it's you know keep that in a stick child. to what you know yeah exactly <laughs> stay exactly. in that rut and just plow <laughs> forward <laughs> no but from that then so in 2013 you decide the chesnod gaming youtube channel and you stick with yeah. fifa um to begin with can you tell me why that was the one. Why was that the one that was going to motivate you going forward and that's the one you're going to make constant videos on? On that previous Bang Average channel, I'd been making content on a multitude of different games. And I'd, I'd seen other, other channels get better growth just by concentrating on the one game. It was like the first insight into the YouTube algorithm mm -hmm. and seeing that if you just concentrate on one thing and put out that same thing consistently then you would get better growth and the fifa stuff on the old channel was what got the most views i would have stayed on that old channel at the time but i had a difference of opinion with my youtube partner network at the time so rather than just have a nightmare with that i basically started a new channel and that, and basically made a video on the old one being like i'm not here anymore I've moved and some <laughs> thankfully some people a, a larger percentage than I expected came across with me to the new channel we got partnered with Machinima after about a month and I just I just stuck with it like at, at the time I was out of work for health reasons so I, I literally my entire my day was wake up breakfast make videos tea make videos sleep for about no. four five years i just kind of threw myself at it and it somehow stuck so early on was there anyone who you were particularly watching in the fifa in the fifa circle in the in the fifa in it the one that stands out to me is cal Freezy's fifa 13 queen's park rangers career mode i think it was fifa 13 that was the one that i was like i can do that like the, the way that he's making his content I can do that, and I think I can do it just as well. 
So I kind of used that as an inspiration. I never actually, because a lot of people say that it was MGH's FIFA 12 Shrewsbury series that kind of got them going. Mm. But I never, I never really discovered Matt until, until a few years later. And he's obviously the biggest, or one of the biggest career mode guys now with a few other channels exploding. But yeah, it, it was, well, I mean, Cal Freezy doesn't do anything related to FIFA now. He's obviously adapted with the platform, etc. Whereas a number of us still head down in that rut, plowing forward. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but FIFA really took off for you, didn't it? Like, did you ever expect yeah, it to yeah. get to the heights that it did? No, I don't, I don't think anyone genuinely expects to be able to make a career of it. And I think if you start with that ambition, or not necessarily with that ambition, but expecting it to happen, that's when it doesn't. Mm. It's when you pick it up as a hobby and think, you know what? High ambition, high ambitions, low expectations is what I always say when people say, oh, what would you say are your top tips for this and for that? Hey, by all means, aim for the moon. But if you only are able to jump a couple of inches, just enjoy the ride. So then moving forward from that, and I really like that, high ambitions, low expectations. Yeah, because you don't want to get carried away with it because you can become so demotivated so quickly mm. even though you won't go into it with a mindset of you you can fall into the trap of just being obsessed with the numbers and when the numbers at times don't go anywhere and they might not go anywhere for a considerable period of time people just become demotivated i lost count of the amount of channels that were around when i started that were about my size of people that just gave up because they weren't getting anywhere or weren't getting the sort of views that they felt their content deserved or that they just craved because they were looking at the numbers and a number of them probably would have been successful had they just stuck at it but because you, you can become so soul-minded on on the numbers you kind of lose focus of what it is that you're doing which is just playing video games trying to have fun and then if something comes of it something comes of it great if it doesn't then you're still having fun playing video games have you ever found yourself in that rut oh yeah l numerous times it even for the the most veteran youtuber it's i'd say it's almost impossible not to because everything not just in youtube just in life is numbers focused it's financially focused that's just the way that society is and so you you focus on it and it the algorithm pushes one way and then you try and adapt for that and the algorithm pushes another and you try and adapt for that and you're constantly going looking at the the data and then we're saying what works what doesn't work does this work does that work i tried that that flopped i tried this that flopped i tried this that worked okay i'll try that but then the algorithm changes and then you and you don't get the numbers again and you just fall into the trap of chasing numbers rather than chasing making genuinely good content that people would actually want to watch. And if you focus on that more than the numbers, then the numbers eventually come regardless. It's like that whole chasing the butterfly thing. Or the... you, I don't know what the word is. Like, euphem, not euphemism. <laughs> it's not euphemism. Um, like, motto. Like you, chase, you can chase a butterfly as much as you want. It'll constantly run away from you, but... Obviously, if you stop, stand still, hold your hand out and don't move, it will come and rest on wow. your hand. Like you, you can chase and chase and chase, but if you're chasing the wrong thing, then it's just not going to happen. If you just 
enjoy it for what it is, watch the butterfly flying around, enjoy its beauty, and then eventually it might come to you. It might not. I'm not saying by any means make good content and people will definitely come and watch. It's so saturated now that they might not. But you'll know that you gave it a fair crack, you put your all into it, you made genuinely good content regardless of whether it had one or a million viewers. And at the end of the day, that's more important. So during your time with the community, within the FIFA community, within the YouTube community, what have been the main differences you've noticed in relation to videos, video type, video content? There's, it just goes in phases. It doesn't, there doesn't necessarily seem to be a pattern with anything. They're just a new fad becomes the thing and then you kind of ride that wave and then the new thing will become a thing and then you ride that wave. And I, I try to stick with that at times and just couldn't because it wasn't what I was good at making, which is why my channel is where it is and not where some others are. But if, yeah, I'm just kind of happy where I am. But you, 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 it's tough because the, like say the algorithm changes and even if you are making good content, the, the YouTube algorithm might not push it to people. So you kind of constantly have to assess what you're doing, not necessarily change for the sake of chasing that fad. Sometimes it's even just not changing to not chase that fad so that you're happier making the content that you're making and just happier in general. Because some of the fads, or the main fad, to be fair, in relation to FIFA is ultimate team-based, isn't it? And you're... It's, yeah, yeah all of the views have been... Well, not all the views. The large chunk of views for the large chunk of time have been ultimate team-based. And even then, there are varying different avenues of content you can make it used to be squad builders then there was pink slips then there's rtgs and uh, then it's just kind of pack openings or people that f build like throw money at the game and then build the big teams that people can't aspire to and then people that do player reviews and there's just there's so many different facets of one game mode that until you find what you're best at making, you, again, just chase. And you might get lucky, you might find what you're good at, and you might not find what you're good at. That's the nature of it. Because you've settled on the career mode, haven't you? You've decided that this is your thing. Tell me, why was it the career mode? What attracted you to the career mode? In all honesty, I don't know. I used to play FIFA years ago and as a kid there only what there only ever was career mode then for a few years I drifted away from just playing video games in general and then for just various different life reasons and then you come back well I came back and found myself doing more online gaming rather than single player gaming so I was playing a lot of ultimate team a lot of ultimate team and I started with, well, I was playing a lot of Ultimate Team and a, a few friends played career mode because that's what they enjoyed. And I never really saw the appeal in it. And then I tried it and enjoyed it. And this is all pre-content creation. And then I found myself enjoying both. So it made sense when I started creating content to just make both. But I found that just in general from the way that I made my content that the career mode stuff 
was more successful. So I steered down that avenue. It was more of rather than chasing the numbers of Ultimate Team, it was it was following the avenue of the content I knew I could make that was decent. So I followed that instead, like right, trying to be like one of the best in a smaller industry rather than one of many in a giant industry, if you know what I mean, comparatively between Ultimate Team and Career Mode. So it seems to me like you're one person who chose ultimately your happiness over yeah. growth and money. Is that fair to say? I wouldn't say over over growth and money mm. because if you're happy and you're getting massive growth and money, yeah. then bingo. But I, I would rather be com- earning a a comfortable full-time income and be happy than being a multi-millionaire and being miserable. Because, hmm. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's all personal. Some people would, like, it's the it's the chasing of the dream that keeps you motivated. Then when you get there, it's like, oh, now what? <laughs> so I've, I've technically, I've still got that whole chasing being a millionaire thing. And if if I somehow luck out, and end up at some point in my content creation journey spiking and going off and making all of the pennies, then sweet. If I stick with this niche content stuff, then for the next 10, 15, 20, well, I mean, who knows, years, then I'd be quite happy with that as well. I just was fortunate that I started early enough to get myself to a point where I was big enough to have the the audience that was just sizable enough to allow me to make the niche content I like to be able to produce the financial gains that keep me full time. I just, I just got lucky, basically. That, that, at the, at the end of the day, at the beginning of it, it's, it was, it was who got lucky. Some of us did, some of us didn't. And as it becomes more and more saturated, then the channels that blow up are just even luckier. The odds of it are just shrink, shrinking, and getting smaller and smaller as time goes by, and more and more people try and chase it as a dream. I was going to say, do you put that down to an element of luck because you were here mm. early enough, or is it a case of it's, it's also luck versus work me, meets opportunity? Sorry, luck meeting work equals opportunity, right? Yeah, you you do make your own luck to some extent. I threw I threw out so much content that eventually some people had to see it. Yeah, like when I first started out, I was making. 14 videos a week plus then streaming every day and I did that for about two and a half years between like 2015 and 2017 and it was it's it's tough it is tough to get that grind but if you work hard that's that's the thing like it is luck I could I could genuinely have put all that work in all that effort in and not quote unquote made it there there is there is no direct line between hard work and success on youtube it just doesn't exist the the amount of effort and con- and hard work and dedication you put in does not equate results financially and view count wise there has to be that luck in there whether the, you have one video that bangs and the youtube algorithm picks it up or someone I mean, I I hesitate to use the word shout out because shout outs don't work Mm. in my experience. People don't go and watch something because someone told them to. People go and watch... Well, rephrase. People will go and watch something once because someone told them to, but people will go and watch something twice if they enjoy it. Mm. 
So you need that element of luck from being in a scenario like that. But then you need to have had the hard work to find your groove so that they enjoy it so much when they're told to watch it that they stay, if that makes sense. So it is a combination of the two, but you do need both to get to the end. You can't just have luck or just have hard work and dedication or just have good content. It needs to be a combination of the three. I think that's an important message for a lot of content creators because ultimately a lot of people work hard and I see a lot of people get frustrated. It affects their mental health because the numbers aren't working when ultimately if they're it's doing numbers, everything man. that they can do and they're and people are saying that your videos are good, sometimes you just need to accept the fact that, unfortunately, it's just the timing ain't right because the algorithm isn't there, etc. Is, is that something you'd kind of agree with? I'd agree with, but I'd also say that doesn't mean give up. Yeah. Like, the algorithm changes. If your content is good, then keep making it. And if it takes a month, if it takes six, if it takes a year, if it takes five years, if people are eventually going to stumble on your content or... Uh, eventually going to become exposed to your content and you are making good content, people will watch it. But you can't expect it to happen. And that's the difference. Like, you can, like I say, you can put as much hard work in as you want. But eventually things will align. But we're still so early in the, even 15 years in, we're still so early in the YouTube lifespan that you could, we haven't got to the point where people have been doing this for 15 years and then banged mm. then their chance has come we haven't had that span of time yet there are probably people out there that have been doing youtube for 9 10 11 years that have minimal view figures and minimal subscriber counts but who's to say that in another 9 to 10 years time if they just keep doing it as a hobby or as a side hustle that it won't eventually work work out for them I think it goes back to what you were saying, wasn't it? Um, keep it as a hobby. Keep it as a hobby until you get to that point where you are able to be full-time or part-time or, or whatever you, whatever the financial situation allows you to be. But ultimately, if you keep it as a hobby, you enjoy your hobbies, you enjoy doing videos, making videos, the whole process of making videos, editing videos. If you keep that to the very core of what you do, then I guess mentally it's easier as well 100 percent, 100 percent. like the at the end of the day the content is the most important thing and if you're and your happiness alongside that and if you're happy making your content then it doesn't matter how many people watch it because you're happy making your content so i mean that it is about personal mindset like i say some people chase the numbers and they're only happy if the numbers are going up mm -hmm. And some people are happy that their content is of a certain standard and it doesn't matter whether the numbers are there or not because numbers might come in the future. But it is finding that... And everyone is different. It's finding that balance. Everyone is different. But, yeah, if you, if you can keep yourself in the mindset of this is a hobby that might one day potentially become an income, but it doesn't matter if it doesn't, that's the sweet spot. No, I love that. And I think that's really important you mentioned talking about, you mentioned, sorry, streaming on Twitch. Now, streaming on mm. Twitch also allows you to get more involved in one of your other gaming hobbies, which is Football Manager. I noticed 
as far back as records go, which is about 2015 on on Gnome, you were streaming Football Manager then as well. Tell me why you streamed Football Manager. I streamed Football Manager because I love the game. You're literally set to play cautiously. Gonçalves, Ricky J. Jones, Stevens, Jordan Stevens, Puds. Puds! making so much YouTube content on FIFA, I didn't have any time to play any other game. I always wake up, record FIFA content, go to sleep. And I missed everything else that I loved, gaming-wise. So I picked up streaming. Well, first of all, I would, have st I would have started streaming years earlier, but we lived in an area that didn't have good enough internet. And then we moved house in late 2014 and we had internet that was good enough to stream and straight away I streamed because I, I just I'd wanted to do it for a while like you, you watch streams you like it was like the YouTube epiphany just later like I was watching YouTube content in 2007 and 8 and was like I want to do that and then got myself to the position where I could and then I, whilst I was doing the YouTubing I was in a position watching streams going, I wish I could do that. And then I was in a position where I could. So I kind of threw myself into that as well. Streaming started as my excuse to play other games. Mm. My The other games that I mainly played were Football Manager and F1. And Football Manager at that time being the main. So I streamed Football Manager. And I streamed it every bloody day at 8.45pm <laughs> UK for about two years. And... It went genuinely, surprisingly well. Yeah. And I do regret stop because I, for, again, various different life reasons, health reasons, etc. Et I stopped streaming every day. And I, with my FM content now, I still don't get the viewership numbers that I did then. Mm. And this is FM 15, FM 16. I, I haven't been able to replicate the viewer numbers then. Because I'm now too late. It's too saturated. The, everyone else has come along in the meantime and built their audience. And understandably, people watch the bigger guys. And I was one of the top three or four at the time. Now I'm perhaps one of the top 15 or 20. And that makes a difference. Mm. By no means am I saying that I am unhappy with 200 concurrents on Twitch playing Football Manager, there are countless people that couldn't dream of anything better. And it, that's why, again, I had to change my mindset of being like, okay, I was getting 400 people four years ago, now I'm getting 200. I could be unhappy and disheartened and unmotivated at that, or I could be happy that I'm still getting 200 people. And I chose to be happy that I'm still getting 200 people, so I still enjoy streaming Football Manager content. You know what? I love that, because... I've always believed that happiness, to an extent, is a choice. So to, yeah, to an extent, t to an extent. Like, so I'm talking. I'm not talking about obviously situation where if things happen, you react mm. to it. I'm not talking about that, but yeah. I'm talking. There are times where you can be resentful or you can be grateful, and I feel like you've chosen the path of being grateful. So rather than constantly looking at other people and being disheartened by them, you are looking at yourself and being happy with what you've got. And I've gotten to that point by going through the prior mm -hmm. i went through the resentful stage and the looking at other people's stage and seeing other people 
get figures that were bigger than mine for content I deemed to be lower in quality. And this is going to sound awful and make me feel ancient, but it comes with age. Mm. Like, I turned 34 a couple of weeks ago. I would never have had this sort of mindset as a 25-year-old because it's just not where you are psychologically, mentally, growth as a human being-wise as a 25-year-old. You're 18, you think you know the world. Then you get to 21, you think, I knew nothing when I was 18. I must know everything now. Then you get to 25 and you think, oh, I knew nothing as a 21-year-old. Surely this is it now. I, this is just for the... And then you get to 30 and then you get to 32. Then you get to 34 and there's... You become... You kind of have to acknowledge that you don't know everything, but it will come to you in time, just as you might not get the numbers now, but they might come to you in time. It, and it, you have to go through this whole range of emotions through a significant period of time. At least it was a significant period of time in my in my case. And then you come out the other end and you're happy with where you are. But it is situational, as you say. Like, my, my story of starting content creation and being happy with life, etc., is skewed because of uh, my health situation. So my story isn't necessarily the norm, mm -hmm. and I was able to throw more time into it as a hobby than a lot are able to, which is why I try and give the high ambition, low expectation story. Because I, A, I got lucky, started early enough. B, I was lucky enough to be in a position where I was unlucky enough with my health to have enough free time to just, well, put 5,300 videos out. So it, it, happiness is the main aim for me. But it, yeah, it's, just, it's so situational and it's so tough to try and explain that to people when they just see other people exploding and it's not happening to you. So... With that mindset then, you've chosen to be grateful now. You're happy where you are in your spot mm. as to where you are. Does that lessen your work ethic? Hello all, I really hope you're enjoying this episode of the Scouting Centre with Chesnoy Gaming. Ches has been really open and honest with his answers. Absolutely loving it. I hope you're enjoying it too. If you're watching on YouTube, can you like this video, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment below. Let me know what your favourite part of this interview has been and if you're listening to this on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on please can you give this that five star review it would mean the world to me and means we can get more scouting center content out to you let's get back to the interview not yet if i you obviously go through periods of high motivation and low motivation but to do anything full-time self-employed you have to have a work ethic you can't not have a work ethic because you don't get paid if you don't you don't get to where you don't get to the full-time point by not having a work ethic and then you don't get to stay at the full-time point by not having a work ethic it it goes hand in hand the by all means the motivation might go up the motivation might go down but the work ethic has to be the constant you can't stop especially with the nature of the internet you can't stop putting the content out because you have to be relevant. Not relevant in a popularity sense of the word, relevant in a you're always in someone's sub box. Mm -hmm. A week is a long time in the internet. 
let alone a month or three months or six months if you fall off the wagon it's so much harder to get back on the wagon because everybody will find someone else to watch instead of you and then they're invested in their content and they won't come back to you so you need the work ethic and it, it it's in for me the work ethic is imperative unless you are incredibly fortunate where you can throw a video up get one and a half million views and do that once a month but work ethic and dedication to the cause is one of the cornerstones of how to make it in this industry. Consistency is key. Talking of that work ethic, you've recently started to do something which I, you know, we were speaking about off stream, which is working smarter as well. So recently you've started to stream making your FIFA videos and then you have a second stream in the afternoon slash evening to do your football manager story mode story what did i just call football football manager story did, yeah. mode? what what have i just done there i'm sorry i, don't know. I, think, <laughs> you, I think a portal just opened up somewhere <laughs> but when you're doing your football... in the upside down <laughs> oh no ben i'm sorry i'm all football manager streamers i'm sorry content creators i'm sorry but yeah so and then you're doing your football manager streaming in the afternoon slash evening yeah now is that something you've learned with experience about how you can use your time more effectively and, and what inspired you to do that? I wouldn't say it's something I learned with time. It was just, I don't know why I didn't do it before. I I always used to keep YouTube content separate to YouTube and Twitch content. Like YouTube content was on YouTube and Twitch content was on Twitch. And I always kept them separate. But I don't really know why. In the moment, it felt right to keep the YouTube stuff on YouTube. And if people want to watch that style of content, then they go to YouTube for it. The edited, more professional, to a point, um, style of content, as opposed to the much more relaxed, laid-back, chilled stream content. And then, I don't know, about about six months ago, I thought... I was, I was trying to think of ways to spend more time live on Twitch... I, I just my brain just went. Why not just make YouTube videos on Twitch? So my I always thought, or my brain always thought of it as like because you use overlays and alerts and everything on Twitch, then people won't want that in YouTube videos. But that's not the point. So I, I should have done it six years ago, and Christ knows where I could potentially have been with six years of doing that and being live on Twitch for twice as much with various different launch cycles of various different games. But that's the excitement of the future now that I have made that decision, I guess. Uh, so I, I record my YouTube content on Twitch, but the crucial thing is I record it in the same way. Mm. So if you watch it on YouTube, you wouldn't know that I'd recorded it live on Twitch. I still commentate the same way. I still speak directly to the camera. I'm not in and out of chat, constantly talking to chat in the middle of highlights. There is, there's always been a difference between YouTube chairs and Twitch chairs. Mm. And they have coexisted at points on stream before, but now YouTube chairs and stream, stream chairs both live on Twitch. And it's just a way to be live with my content more often, or live on Twitch more often, and still make the content as enough content that I need to with the niche size of my audience to be able to earn enough money to still do this full time. And I, I genuinely, I don't know why I didn't do it before because it 
when you make that decision, you go, this is such an obvious choice. Mm. Why did I not do it before? And I, I, I couldn't tell you. Some sort of mental thing about, no, YouTube content's on YouTube and Twitch content's on Twitch. But after seeing a couple of other people do it, and th- they was just like, well, that's the logical decision. Why have I not done that before? So now I do it, and I love it, and I'm more productive than I ever have been with regards the amount of content that I can make in a certain time frame. I just, I get more done. And I'm live on Twitch more often. So, hand in hand, handshake, cheers then, thank you very much. <laughs> great, great decision. Hopefully, for the next F1 launch, for the next FM launch, for the next FIFA launch, that will be a decision that drastically helps improve my overall position as a YouTube content creator and as a Twitch content creator. Because I've not this, I've not done it through a launch cycle yet for any game. Mm. So the big thing for me is going to be, initially as a FIFA YouTuber, is going to be the FIFA launch. Yeah. But the F1 stuff has always been the kind of content that gets me the highest view counts. Which again was, like I I could have chased the numbers, but I I love FM too much that so I didn't drop FM. So I. I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens in the next 12 months. I might have gotten it wrong. It might be a bad decision. Ask me in 12 months' time. But I'm hoping that it is a right decision and through various different launches of various different games, it will be a decision that works out for me in the long run. Genuinely, it's so great. To, and, and you've said it a couple of times, to be fair, how you chased happiness over chasing the numbers. Because you enjoy F1. And, and this is facts, right? You really enjoy the F1 game. I was in your streams at the launch of F1 2021. You could see how much you enjoy it. Behind you, you've got the Formula One grid maps. Grid maps? You're not yeah. an F1 fan, are you, Diz? No, I am. I love F1. I don't, I don't, oh. the, the track map. Uh, I don't know what the to tra- describe. Yeah, what the you've track got. layouts. Yeah, the track grid layouts. Sorry, I, I didn't know how to describe them. Um, I FM's love F1. Story <laughs> mode, their grid maps. Diz is in the upside down. FIFA Royal Rumble, that's what we'll call the game yeah, yeah. from now on. <laughs> but you got the tracks behind you as well. You love Formula One, but even even though that gives you the best numbers, the, the best potential subscribers, all that kind of stuff, you are still choosing Football Manager, which is a game that you love. I love them. Like, people always say, what do you prefer? Do you prefer F1? Do you prefer FIFA? Do you prefer FM? I'm like, why does there have to be a favourite? Yeah. Can't I just like all three and play all three? And again, I'm in a fortunate position where I can play all three and make content on all three and be able to stay full time. So I, I'm just like I, I, FM is too ingrained in me to just drop. Mm. The Twitch channel was the YouTube channel was built on FIFA. The Twitch channel was built from the foundations on Football Manager. And then I added in the F1 content, which subsequently did quite well. And now I've added in doing the FIFA content as well. But, yeah, I, it, had I not been in the position where I was, I had a base audience to then bleed that F1 and other stuff content in, I don't know if I'd have, I'd have the same opinion right now. Yeah. If I'd have needed to stick with the game that gave me the big views to make it, then I might have a different opinion. I might not be quite as content as I am right now with the amount of content that I make, but that's just the way of it. I just so happened to, but then you, like you say, it's situational. You either get the luck or you don't. 
and I got the luck. So I was able to bring, when I started my Twitch channel, I already had a sizable enough following on YouTube that I could then bring a sizable chunk across to Twitch to start on that platform with a head start to then build on that, to then drop the F1 ingredient in. And then I'm also very fortunate that there is a big crossover between people that like football and people that like Formula One. Mm. And that's very lucky because I've played, I've tried to play different games on stream, single player games like The Witcher, other racing games like Project Cars or just other games in general like Fortnite or Warzone, etc. And there just isn't as big a crossover. So mm. I'm just very fortunate that my passion for football and my passion for Formula One are also passions that a lot of other people share together. And as such, I've just been fortunate enough that some will watch both. Some will watch one, some will watch the other, but there's enough that do all of it that it keeps me going. Well, interestingly enough, you talked about your passion for F1. You talked about your passion for football manager. Recently, it's been announced that there's going to be an F1 manager. Is that something that tickles your fancy? Is that something that you're really intrigued about? You mentioned it in the word association game. Is that something you'll be looking to stream, make content on? I am intrigued by it. That... I'm so passionate about a certain subject whilst at the same time not being that knowledgeable. Mm. I.e. I love FM, but ask me to do any sort of training or delve in depth in the XG and the stats and that. No, nope. just let me pick my team, make my transfers, <laughs> play the game and have fun. Yeah. And I, I can do that with FM and then FIFA is the I'm playing football game. I'm hoping that F1 manager will fill the FM niche with the F1 audience so you can play the F1 game and then have the F1 manager audience. I am apprehensive that F1 manager is going to be... but It's going to need a certain level of knowledge in areas that I don't have to be able to fully enjoy it. Or it's going to be too niche. Yeah. I think it, it could... It, absolutely could be so successful with such a niche audience at the same time if it has that pick up and play that fm has where it's pick players make transfers play the game if it has that element it'll be fantastic but if you need to get into the nitty-gritty to really be successful then that's where i think i'd struggle and i'd lean heavily back towards just the F1 game, but I'm absolutely open to making F1 manager content. If there are any, there are any brand deal opportunities, <laughs> then my email is in my Twitter bio. And from there, I just, it, it it's a game that I think we've always wanted, but I don't know if we'll enjoy it when we get it. Mm. The proof is in the pudding. It makes sense for there to be an F1 manager. And judging by everything that we've seen so far without having hands-on, it looks phenomenal. Yep. But we won't know if it is until we play it. And it comes out in a couple of months. So but we'll find out. But I am genuinely intrigued and genuinely excited about the prospects of it. And to be able to have two football games and two F1 games that could be successful and play regularly on the channel, I mean, what's not to love? I was going to say that literally marries into your three, you know, FIFA, Football Manager, F1, yeah. F1 Manager. It's, it's literally a combination of everything, isn't it, really? And it, the, the problem is, if F1 Manager is really, really good, 
then it's like, well, what do I play? Yeah. Because I, I have my YouTube content where I make FIFA, and then I have the segment of my stream time where I'm making FIFA. And still, that other part of the stream, the later in the afternoon, the evening streams, they are my opportunity to play other games, which is where the Football Manager stuff is played, which is where the F1 general driving game is played, and which is where F1 Manager will be played. I don't think... Oh my god, come on! Come on! DRS, come on! Come on! Yeah! <laughs> on the line! Let's go! Yes! Win! Win! Oh my god! Scenes, we did it! Oh my god! Oh, Jesus! Win! But the content creator in me wants to prioritise launch periods. Yeah. And I'm fortunate enough that F1 comes out in early summer, FIFA comes out in early autumn, and FM comes out in early winter. And there's a good two to three months to be able to prioritise each, get that launch boost, and then figure out what to do from there. And I am apprehensive that the F1 manager game is going to come out just at the wrong time of the year. Yeah. That I'm not going to be able to maximise the launch and it will fall into the category of the games that I want to play that don't get enough views to warrant playing, which is not where I want to be. Because I, I still want to play games like The Witcher and this and that. And I, I it took me three and a half years to finish Red Dead Redemption or something stupid. Just because finding the free time to play a game like that that you know isn't going to get views on YouTube or on Twitch is tough. So I'm desperate for F1 Manager to be really good. I'm desperate for there to be a big audience for it. I'm desperate for people to... Desperate is probably the wrong word, but you know where I'm coming from. Yeah. To, to have that audience want to watch that game be played by me. And I'm hoping that it's successful. And if it is, then I've got four games that I can make content on and four games that I can reliably have some level of audience on to keep up the full-time job cycle and then take it from there. But it is it is a, an absolute unknown in terms of whether it's going to be any good and whether I can fit it into my content cycle. It might be the best game ever, but... I still might not have the time to play it, which is the worst position to be in as a gamer. Because Red Dead Redemption 2 was my favourite game of all time, yeah. and it took me two and a half to three years to finish it. Mm. I think I've had that for about four years. I've got about halfway through. I probably need to finish it. It's so good. <laughs> have you played the first one? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I loved the first one. The you first one was my favourite game of all time. Then I played Red Dead Redemption 2, and that became my favourite game of all time. So they are that good See, last of us 2 is my favorite game of all time but i've got this oh. really bad habit and my friends will, will know this i used to on the playstation 4 when the games were about 40 45 quid i'd buy every single game brand new right yes a year later it's still it. in its cellophane yeah. and my friends would take the mick out i mean they'd offer me half price for it etc mm. etc but i'm always of the mindset i will get round to this pile That's of games eventually that's the thing. Like, just because something is new and now doesn't yeah. mean you have to play it new and now. Exactly. You could play Red Dead Redemption 1 now, fall in love with it, and then play Red Dead Redemption 2 in a decade's time and fall in love with that. Mm. 
people become so obsessed with the current and the here and the now and the relevant and I've got to be, it's got to be now, now, now. I can't play it in six months' time because nobody else will be talking about it. Doesn't fucking matter, mate. It's a great video game. Play it. Doesn't matter whether you play it in six months' time, whether you play it in five years. Good video games are good video games regardless of when you play them, which is why they're such a audience for retro stuff. It works on the other end of the scale. Well, that's the thing. What's old is becoming new again, isn't it? To, I, oh, yeah, I guess to an extent, it's it's that games companies can fall into the into the the peril of just squeezing and milking a certain franchise a bit too much. Yeah, and we have seen that countless times throughout the past however many years. But then there are those that have done that but are still just as popular as they ever were. And then there are others that have had, there's just been one game and mm. everyone was like, that's the game, man. And it just, it just sticks. But I, I've never been able to, it seems arbitrary. I've never been able to figure out what makes a game have a cult following or bang commercially or anything in between. It's things like Among Us and Four Guys, which on the grand scheme of things, Probably not the most intriguing games, but I think timing as well comes into it, doesn't it? Because I think they were released around like, the pandemic time. All of a sudden yeah, now you can play this 100%. game and you can constantly play it and you're addicted and you need that trophy. Even I, I got five trophies in the end on four guys, I but the first one, I was game. screaming my, my house down because I finally got one. It's it's timing as well, isn't it? 100%. They, games like that got lucky that there was a pandemic, if that's such a thing. Yeah. And But there are free-to-play games like that that that's just the way the gaming industry is at the minute they go in fads they go in like there's this game and then there's that game and then there's that game which is the same as when we were kids it was pokemon cards it was yugo cards it was pogs like they, they just it was yo-yos they just is a fad it just so happens that all of those fads are now video games rather than different activities well, speaking of the pandemic, one of the things that happened during the pandemic was the streamer showdown became a thing in the Football Manager, which is the premier football manager competition run by Dr. Benjamin Nerdphonic, where it's basically a celebration of Football Manager, I, I like to call it, which happens once a month. Yeah. You are a main part of that, I believe. You are somebody who's called up quite regularly. If you're available, basically, more often than not, you will be in the streamer showdown. Tell me about your involvement in it and tell me what it means to you to be part of it. Firstly, I'm honoured to even have the invite. Like, it, I am primarily known as a FIFA YouTuber, and a lot of people throw that at me without knowing the whole Football Manager backstory to my content creation story. But it, it is still an an honour to be called in because everybody that works on the streamer showdown and everybody that's involved, whether it's behind the scenes or on the lowdown or in the showdown itself, I have not met a single bad egg yet. There have been bad eggs in that community, football manager-wise, but I have not met a single bad egg through the streamer showdown. It's the best people in a certain industry making the best content together and just having a good time. And I love that because people are doing it for the passion. They're doing it for the happiness of doing it and not because people are just chasing numbers to try and be the big thing. And I think that's why it's so successful mm -hmm. because people take it seriously enough to actually make it successful, but not so seriously enough that you get in your own way. You can just have fun with it. 
I love the FM streamer showdown. Chez right now is looking at Donnarumma. Now, that's not a bad shout. Because he is the best goalkeeper by a long way. But pick two. Well, yeah, with Haaland still in the pool, it becomes a little crazier. Well, everybody thinks that my drafting is always terrible. I'm just going to yep. lean into the meme and pick Donnarumma first. <laughs> you are for it. What? Goodness sake, he was my keeper. Tom oh, oh, no, it's chaos. He's taken Donnarumma pick two. Oh, oh wow. wow. I would I would absolutely be on it more often. And I, I have had invites to be on it when I'm not necessarily making FM content. Mm. But I always try and make sure that like if I'm in the F1 launch period, I won't come on FM Streamer Showdown because it's not fair to other FM content creators. But if I'm in the process of making FM content every time I stream, then absolutely. I'd love to be involved. And I find it phenomenal that I managed to get myself into a position to be involved in something like that. It is one of my favourite things to do, the streamer showdown. It is so much fun, and I cannot believe I can't win one. <laughs> Actually, no, I can believe I can't win one because everybody else that plays it is that they're all people that understand the ins and outs of yeah. Football Manager, and I'm that guy that picks his team, picks some tactics, and sends them out to play a game. And that's why I get battered, but I have fun while I'm getting battered, so it's fine. I mean, I've also been responsible for, for critiquing your style and your teams initially. I, I do well, apologise for the that. I hate my drafts. hate my drafts. <laughs> I feed off it. It's so good. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's so bad. It really, really is. Like, But you've only ever been in one elimination playoff. You always get through to the quarterfinals. I think you've had at least one, I think maybe two, I could be wrong, but definitely one semi. One semi well, okay, so one, one semi final appearance. So, so there you go. So you know you've had a lot of fun. It's always entertaining. You've been close mm. to it as well. Um, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say it's always great to have you on, and you always provide great entertainment. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. So, but then when you first got that invite, I think you alluded to it a little bit. You did get some criticism from Football Manager viewers, I imagine saying that you're a FIFA streamer. Now, how did you react to that? That must have been really frustrating. Bear in mind, what was it? Football Manager 14, 15, we were talking about. You've, you've been streaming yeah, it since. Yeah, when I first started streaming. It's... I think if I hadn't taken that break yeah. from streaming FM every day, I would be, I am a FIFA YouTuber, and I've never I've never been like, no, I'm not. Like, mm. I'm a FIFA YouTuber, and I was a solely FM streamer. And it isn't the FM content creator showdown, it's the FM streamer showdown. And I've made so much football manager content <laughs> over such a long period of time, more than half the people that throw shade at me, that I just bat it off. Mm. You cut, you, it's just the internet, isn't it? You get some level of notoriety and shade comes your way i would use other words but i don't know how this is a family friendly <laughs> program i'm sure yeah um stuff comes your way and yeah. you just have to learn to deal with it and the football streamer showed uh, football show, football manager streamer showed <laughs> yes you did what i did you did what i did no no, no i didn't football manager, football manager manager streamer showdown <laughs> came so came so far along into my content creation journey i'd already gotten to the point of water off a duck's back yeah it was just something else to let not bother me or something else to just ignore. 
I knew I was having fun. I knew I knew I warranted the invite. Mm. And at the end of the day, that's all that mattered. And I have absolute faith in Ben and Matt and everybody else that makes it that they would make they wouldn't put someone in there that didn't deserve to be there. Because mm. it's it's not it's not a popularity contest. It's a it's a let's try and make a thing of this thing. And a popularity contest doesn't do that. So to get the invite, I had to have put the work in and had the backlog of content to warrant the invite. So they went hand in hand. And I was the first to say, yeah, I'm a FIFA YouTuber, but I'm also an FM streamer and an F1 streamer and a FIFA streamer. You can be more than one thing. You don't have to be pigeonholed. And that's more of a society thing than it is a streaming thing. It's a whole different kettle of fish, but like you, I, I, I make football manager content on on stream. That that's what it says on the tin, pal. Like, <laughs> like whenever I stream FM, I'm one of the top, yeah, four or five that stream it. Provided everybody isn't live at the same time, hmm. Z smashes it, yeah. and people like Ben and Jack and Kev all get great viewership numbers but if they're like there's the top five or six then there's me mm. and second yellow card and sweet left foot and Clates and Tom and like there are people that they would instantly associate with football manager that don't get the sort of viewership numbers that I do when playing football manager and that's not me being big-headed, that's uh, that's why I justify the call-up. That's just the response. The fact of the matter is I've put enough time and effort and dedication into the game and creating content on the game that I have an audience for it. Whether I have an audience for something else as well at the same time is irrelevant. I have an audience for this thing. Therefore, this thing would appeal to my audience and I would appeal to that thing. So it would make sense. If anything, it would be weird, wouldn't it? If one of the top 10 highest viewed <laughs> English speaking football manager channels didn't get an invite into the streamer showdown. Very weird. <laughs> but that's, again, again, I want to make a point. I am not by any means being big headed about any of that. That's just the way that it works as an industry. Like you follow the numbers. And then from there... Let's talk about some of your in-real-life opportunities. So we've talked about Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Working with EA Sports and being a game-changer, how did you get involved in that? And you mentioned about it being frustrating at times. Tell me a little bit more about that. With regards to the game-changer program, I got lucky. Mm. Right place, right time, spoke to the right people when stuff was in its infancy and just so happened to manage to get involved with... EA pre-Game Changer network, so like invites to uh, capture sessions and other FIFA-related events pre-Game Changer program that we just kind of morphed into Game Changer program. Like Each territory had like 10 or 15 people that were kind of go-tos for EA in that particular region, and then we just kind of, everybody got grouped together for the Game Changer Network, which is now changed name and been rebranded as the just EA Creator Network. And I think the Game Changer name didn't really help with the whole 
well, we, we don't change the game. Mm. And that was lobbied at us quite ferociously for a substantial period of time. Thankfully, they have now changed the name and thankfully people are now knowledgeable enough to know that, yeah, we know we, we don't, like, if there's something wrong in your game, you don't shout at a YouTuber. Like, we don't have the power. But we do have the power if you're nice and uh, constructive in your criticism or forthcoming with your feedback and ideas, we can pass those on. We don't have the power to make them implement them, but there is that link between consumer and company that is relatively new in this industry in the past 10 years or so. But because it's so new, people still don't really understand it mm. unless they're, again, a slightly older. Age is, age is so important to all of this. And I sound so old saying it, but it really is. Like, if you're... And by all means, again, I'm not slating you if you're 16 years old. But if you're in your teens, you scientifically see things differently to the way that someone that's 30 does. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, being in my 30s, it's still frustrating being in the Game Changer program when you give the feedback that people have constructively and kindly put together and it still doesn't get implemented on. If anything, it's even more frustrating to be that middleman. And I think people forget that. Like, we are spending our time correlating and congregating all of these different things that you guys want in your favourite video game. We're taking them to the dev team and to the producers of the game and not seeing results in many cases. In some cases we do, by all means. There are so many things that are in the game now that are there because of the Game Changer Network, as it was, or the, because of the EA Creator Network. The game has drastically improved thanks to the feedback of the fans. And it, it's a constant battle of we want to see new things every year. And when we don't get the certain things that we've harped on about, it's frustrating. But then you see things from the other side as well. And you realise, yeah, the, the, the audience want this thing. But that thing takes three years to code. Yeah. And it's not in the next title. And everyone goes, why is it not in this one? It's like, well, because it's not made yet. We're making it. It's just three years away. It's got to be made. It's got to be tested. Don't get me onto the fact that some things that are made and tested are still a part of poo-poo and don't work <laughs> as intended. But there are things that I know are in the pipeline that we've been asking for for four or five years. They just haven't had the manpower or the funding or just like you can't have everything all at once. If they put everything all in FIFA 22 or 23, what's the point in making another one? So stuff is drip fed and at the same time stuff takes time. But it's not until you speak with the dev team and you really get an eye behind the curtain that you realise just how much work goes into making one tiny little mechanic that from the outside you think well, it can't be that hard to do insert thing. Yeah. And then you speak to the dev team and they're like, that's going to take like 18 months of work just to get a base code and then another 12 months of testing to make sure it works. But then you're in that middle spot where you're getting slated on one side from people that think you're not having an impact 
and then you can't say that you are having an impact, but stuff's not coming yet because of NDAs and all sorts of other stuff. And then even when you do get something in the game that has been has come through that feedback chain, you almost don't get the credit for it. Not that we're in the creator network for credit, not that we seek credit, but people would rather complain about five things than complain about four things and acknowledge the one thing that they actually got. Yeah. They'd rather just be like, oh, I've got that now. Okay, great. What's the next thing I can complain about? And that's a frustrating position to be in as well. But it's part and parcel of being the position you're in, like having an audience, having enough people watch you, be in a position to be like, okay... I have a large enough selection of opinions here that we can, you know, realistically, adequately say that, okay, that's most popular with this many tens of thousands of people. So that's probably a good idea to put that in the game or at least float it as an idea. Because, of course, the devs have their own plans and the suits higher up have their own plans. And it's trying to correlate everything. And that's why it's frustrating because... That whole conversation, conversation, I'm spouting, that whole spout is as frustrating to listen to probably and connect all the dots as it is to be in the Game Changer program. (laughs) Because you're getting everything from the left side and everything from the right side and you can't tell the right side everything and you have to make sure that when you're speaking to the devs, so obviously you're professional and you're respectful and when people are saying F this, F that, this is broken, that's broken, you kind of have to approach it in a more professional manner and like devs are human beings too you can't just put what you did you know the thing you spent 18 months on is your passion project you absolutely love yeah it's wank mate yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you can't do that so it, you're just a middleman and it does i guess it doesn't matter what industry you're in if you're a middleman you're a middleman and you get stuff from both sides but you also have to understand both sides and it's easier to understand both sides when you're 34 than when you're 16 I agree with that. I think the older you get, because you mentioned it earlier, on, I'm 38, and I feel like as time has gone... You're not gone, 38. I'm, 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 I, I know I don't act it. In my head, I've never grown older than 21. Oh, yeah, no, same. But but physically, somehow... I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said you're older than me, though. I'd have said you're like 29, 30. Thank you. That, that's made my day. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to invite anyway, you again. We're going to talk again. <laughs> We're going to talk again next year. You can tell me I'm 27. <laughs> No, but um, yeah, so I'm there, yeah, and I do feel like as time goes on, you can look at the bigger picture a little bit more. You're not as quick to make judgments, to make decisions. You can more just understanding, relax a little bit. More empathetic. It just comes with time. A hundred percent. No, I fully and it agree sounds, with that. It's, it sounds patronising to say, and absolutely there'll be people listening to this that will take that in a patronising manner, and it absolutely isn't meant that way. It just, that just is life. So out of the three communities that you're involved in, so there's Football Manager, F1 and FIFA, and you don't have to answer uh-huh. this if you don't want to, which one do you mm. find the most challenging? I don't know. Define challenging. So frustrating, not willing to listen, wanting to impose views on you. The, there's, there's two sides to it. The the FIFA side of it, there is a larger audience. There are more voices. Inherently, there are more negative voices as well as there are more positive voices. Hmm. That's challenging. 
sometimes it's nice to have that niche audience where there aren't 700,000 people where 10, like 10% of 700,000 people is a lot less than 10% of 7,000 people. Yeah. So it, the bigger you get, the more challenging it becomes trying to take on board all of the different opinions. So that's challenging in itself. And inherently by the nature of my content, I have a larger FIFA audience. So that would make it more challenging. On a different side of the coin, the thing that's the most challenging about any of the content that I make, F1 people will watch F1 because they love the game. Football manager people will watch... Like, you could be any team on F1 and people will watch F1 because they love F1. You could, to a lesser extent, but still a large extent, people will watch you manage almost anyone on Football Manager. Mm. Look at what the space doing his thing in Iceland and previously in Sweden. Look at the sort of size that Z manages in China and like that that just doesn't happen in FIFA in FIFA it is you are Premier League or you get no views that's so frustrating because it's not about the game it's about the the team in particular and things like journeymans that you get in FM and that you get in like a Formula 1 my team or driver career when you bounce from team to team that doesn't exist in FIFA it is a I am doing a save as Chelsea I am doing a save as this team i am doing a save as that team and if that team is in the premier league you will get 30 to 40 percent more views than you would if you were doing that team in the bundesliga and if you're doing a team in the bundesliga you get 30 to 40 percent more views than you'd get if you were doing a team in the mls because nobody wants to what but i don't know why because well i do know why because obviously the inherently we're fortunate enough to live in a country where english football is highly regarded as the pinnacle or widely regarded as the pinnacle not with everyone but yeah. uh, as the pinnacle of sport of English football of football in England <laughs> words I talk for a living would you guess and then um, I do it all the time I, the, oh, I called it nice. a grid track or something earlier it's because we're old you see we're in our mid 30s <laughs> and then so you the challenging thing is trying to make your 17th Premier League career mode interesting mm. that's the challenge and if I still made post-com content, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. The thing that keeps me going and making FIFA content as regularly as I do is the live commentary aspect of it. Mm. The unexpected nature of what's going to happen next and being able to react to that. And also the challenge of trying to tie that to a relatively professional commentary. That's the challenge for me is making the when F1 can be anything and be successful, FM can be 95% anything and be successful. Trying to make FIFA successful when people are only interested in such a finite area of it is the challenge. The first challenge is getting people to watch career mode, not ultimate team. Then the challenge is to get them watching you, not someone else. Then the challenge is to make sure that you're using the right team to get the views. Then the challenge is making sure that the content with that team is good enough to keep people interested long term. Then the challenge is not getting bored as hell with doing the same thing day in, day out for 10 years. And the only reason I don't get that is the live commentary. I could not, for fun, play FIFA career mode. I just couldn't do it. It, it is work for me now. Yeah. But the live commentary aspect is what keeps it fun. And now, harking back to 
like seven hours ago when we were talking about it, having that aspect of the live commentary and then in between live commentary segments, a live Twitch chat as well, has reinvigorated my passion for the FIFA content. Because you get both sides of it. You get the instant impact of you reacting to the game and then you get the instant impact of the people reacting to it as well. And before it was... Before it was post-com, and I was, this is great, I'm just playing a video game whilst watching a film. Yeah. Then it was, people aren't really watching post-content, I'll make live content. Oh, this is fun. Live content stuff, I can react, I can try and implement a commentary style that suits me, and I feel like my commentary style, or just in general, the live commentary that I give is the main draw to my content, regardless of game. And then, once you've got that nailed down, you then find yourself... If you're becoming a little bit tired of just the live commentary, which, like I say, motivation goes up, motivation goes down, to then get that instant impact with the Twitch chat as well adds another layer, and that keeps it even fresher. And not only are you... like, I might be playing the same game, and I might be getting instant impact, and I, I imagine there might come a phase where the impact of the live Twitch chat wears off. But there are always your regulars but there are always new people in chat as well and everyone reacts together and it's the it's the combination of doing things live that is unrivaled yeah. that's why live tv is such a draw that's why live streaming is such a draw that's why i've had so much fun doing the live commentary with the youtube content and why it's just bled over into the twitch content I love that. And live, I always live is better. Live is terrifying, especially <laughs> when it's more professional. Yeah. Absolutely so, especially when you have a potty mouth like me. <laughs> and I've never actually done anything professionally, quote-unquote professionally live. I, I, I am intrigued to see if I'd be any good at it, but terrified that I wouldn't be any good at it and would ruin any sort of reputation I have, so I don't do it. To this point in my career. Who knows? When I have even more experience, I might feel more confident enough to go and enter a live arena in actual professional stuff. But for now, quite happy sitting in front of my computer in my office spouting nonsense at video games. See, I was going to ask you how you keep it fresh, and I think you've already answered that, to be fair, by... It's the it's the live aspect. Yeah. I... I, I did... It's not just FIFA. I would find I would find it hard to play Football Manager for fun. I would find it hard to play F F one career mode for fun. I think because my content has been so focused on single player games, I now struggle to play single player games in a sporting context. Yeah. Because it's repetitive and it's the same. Whereas when it comes to things like Red Dead Redemption, as we mentioned, that is a unique story that is single player that is just encapsulates me whereas sporting stuff yearly releases it's the same it's the same it's the mm. same always wearing a different shade of blue this time this year it's the same it's the same it's the same and it's you have to what well, i have found myself having to adapt my content and my creation style to counteract that it went hand in hand with live commentary got more views than postcom yep. that was just what triggered the move from postcom to livecom but then i had so much fun doing the livecom that it ruined postcom or ruined just playing a game i can't do that anymore with regards sporting yearly cycles 
and he, I, even yearly cycles of like online multiplayer like COD. I find it hard to play COD solo now. I have to be with a group of friends playing it together. Just single single player yearly titles are just tough, which is a shame, really, because I only ended up in this industry because I loved playing FIFA, FM, and F1 single player stuff casually, and now I can't do that. Th this so is there where... is always a there is always a a give and take. I was going to say this is where the consequence of making your passion your job. Bingo. Yeah, it takes a kind of toll on it. So now you need to find new games to stimulate you, so to speak. And I'd yeah. say something I'm like Red Dead Redemption. That there are yeah. a plethora of other games that can fill that void. No, 100%. Chris, what is the best thing for you about being a content creator? Being your own boss? I don't know, is that specifically content creation specific? But being self-employed is better than answering to someone. Mm. Just full stop. It's just like if I decide, if, I, if I'm in the fortunate position where I've worked ahead enough, so I've got enough content to cover me for a couple of days, I can either continue to work and just get further ahead or I could be like, you know what, there's this family thing I want to go to or I feel like going to watch a movie this afternoon, I'm going to go and do that instead or like... I'm going to spend the day with my girlfriend instead. I can just do things on a drop of a hat rather than having to constantly, but oh, I need to make sure I can get time off work or mm. I need to make sure that I'm this or I'm that. Like if I want to do something and provided I've put the previous effort in to allow myself the flexibility, there is the flexibility. That's the best thing. But that flexibility only comes with the hard work to get yourself ahead in the first place. But the, yeah, being your own boss is the best thing for me. I, I love the fact that there's, there's loads of themes in here and I feel like the hard work, but also having fun, not being too mentally taxing on yourself as well, treating it like... I feel there are constant themes throughout there are constant this. Throughout all of it. And they, they've been there for the, the whole content creator journey and just in general in personal life. Like, just, just the way things have gone. I've just been lucky that things have fallen in a manner in which i'm happy and content with where i am oh, that's great to hear chris that's great to hear if you had any advice for any future content creators and this is something i always ask first time guests yeah, uh, on the scouting center what would it be high ambitions low expectations we've covered yeah that's inherent that's crucial i'd say it's always obvious when someone is enjoying making the content that they're making. Don't make content for the sake of making content because people can tell. Like Even when I'm doing what I'm doing, if I'm not motivated for it, you notice a difference in the, in the commentary. Like Make content you enjoy making and that sets the platform for the future. You would rather have a career for yourself making content you love to make than making content that is a grind and you don't like making, that you just so happen to be successful in. If you start off on the right foot, then that right foot will take you forward. If you start off and like, this is popular, so I'm gonna make this, but I don't really like it, that's just misery waiting to happen. So high ambitions, low expectations, make content that you enjoy making, and make content that you would enjoy watching yourself. That's crucial as well. I, If you can watch your video back that you've just made and still find yourself 
entertained by it or like when you laughed recording it it kind of makes you giggle watching it that's golden I can still watch stuff back now that I've recorded 10 years in having just recorded my 5,784th video and watch something happen watch me react to that something happen and go that's key because if you go someone else is going to go and then more people have that reaction and will come back if you can't watch your own content chances are other people won't either but if you can watch your own content then absolutely other people will because watching yourself back is a mental barrier to get over in the first place when making content and if you can do that and still enjoy it then absolutely other people will as well but if you put content out that you think is rubbish then other people are going to think it's rubbish too and they're not going to watch and if that one video is the one video that someone stumbles on of yours they're not going to come back so don't make content for the sake of making it make good content and then people will come back that was long-winded no, that's, that's great advice. That's me, though. <laughs> I'm the I'm the 35 minute chat nonsense for ages oh. content creator rather than the short, concise, snappy editing content creator. I'm I the guess co- people expected that if they're 35 <laughs> minutes into this. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, well, we're an hour and a half into it, but I was also going to say, it's it's why use three words when you can use ten? There's there's a reason there's a dictionary, right? <laughs> yeah. Plus, like people, if you don't concisely put across the point you're trying to make people can make up their own conclusions Mm. that's the way i've always looked at it like if i can explain myself fully then it can't be misconstrued as something else that's where twitter goes wrong right because you're so yeah you're forced to be concise yeah and for some people that might not be their thing they might have to no absolutely because i'm one of them i i need to verbalize myself but in a certain way because the way i was brought up the areas i'm not the most affluent in the english language although i'm really proud of myself using that word affluent high five (laughs) um (laughs) but i feel like you have to kind of like just kind of find your strengths and twitter i've realized for me especially when it comes to talking football nah and i feel like like that comes across in this as well like rather than me trying to be something that i'm not be who i am and i feel like i get better interviews for it be you this whole industry is about or a large portion of it is people warming to seeing a personality and if that personality is you then you never have to be anyone else if you have to put on a different mask every time you go live on twitch or you make a youtube video or you post a tweet that's again misery waiting to happen if you are you all the time then great because people are going to like you and people are going to not like you and that's life Mm. so just be you and then you know that the people that do like you like you for you and then inherently that's where more happiness comes happiness is the most important thing for me and i think i think it should be more important for more people i think people should strive to be happy first yeah fully agree with that i really do Ches, what does the future hold for you I don't know. And that's the scary thing and that's the exciting thing. With the we've covered the whole making content live on Twitch at the same time as making it in a YouTube style mm. and with the launches coming up over the next 6 months I'm 
really intrigued to see whether that will work or whether it won't. The future for me, hopefully, is just more of the same. I'd Obviously, understandably, I'd like to be a bit more comfortable financially. Who wouldn't? Mm. But I'm not like, I see me earning £5 million a year in three years' time. I'd love to make 10% more than I do in the next 12 months and then 5% a year more than that every year going forward. Some growth is good. So, yeah, I think this, just in, insert the last 10 years into the next 10 years and then I'll be on Scouting Centre episode 744 <laughs> and we'll go, see, I told you! I'm still playing video games. I'll turn into Kev, basically. I want to be Lelujo. I want to, genuinely, yeah. Kev loves what he does and yep. does what he loves. And he is slightly older than where I am now, but that's a good thing. Yeah. That shows that there is interest and Kev's got a much bigger audience than me. Kev is killing it and it proves that it's not a young man's game. And that is what excites me. The fact that this could continue. The fact that I'm not constantly looking over my shoulder thinking, somebody younger's going to come along, they're going to watch someone else instead. If I keep making the content that people have proven to enjoy, and I keep doing it, then people will keep watching. And people like Kev are paving the way for the older gamer and older content creator to continue to do that. So for people like Lelujo, hats off. Middle finger for supporting Peterborough, but hats off for <laughs> market leading and industry leading in that way. Because it, it gives people like me the confidence that this will still be a thing for me in five years' time. I'm not putting something into an industry for 10 years that the bubble is going to burst and I'm left nowhere. So the future is this. the more of the, More of the same, please. More F1 games, more FM, more FIFA the end <laughs> well something i just thought of yeah. with fifa turning into ea sports fc and it's probably too soon to tell what's going to happen with that but how would that, that affect is the big question mark at the minute about the future fifa and a number is so marketable and so easily searchable on youtube and fits the pattern of everything else that is in the gaming industry. There is da 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 four, da 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 five, da 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 six. I don't know. It. We need to hear more about whether it's going to be EA Sports FC twenty three, EA mm. Sport twenty four, EA Sports FC twenty five, or whether they'll come up with something that's snappier and more marketable. Because EA Sports, like, it's just not. No mm. one goes. Everyone's like, oh, you want a game of Thief? No one's going to go. Would you want a game of EA Sports FC twenty four? Yeah. Like. No one's going to say that. It, it, that's the. It's not necessarily that the game's going to get worse. It's the how do I market that on YouTube so that people still find me. Mm-hmm. That's where the worry is. But that you have this whole industry on YouTube is you have to adapt, and that's just something else to adapt to. I it might come to the point where I transition and put more effort into Formula One content and FM content if I can justify that switch financially then maybe i don't want to have to stop making fifa or 
insert name of football game <laughs> content here, yeah. then I don't want to. But if I have to, then so be it. And that's the nature of YouTube. You have to adapt. Like, Cal Freezy got me into FIFA in FIFA 13. Cal Freezy makes anything other than FIFA videos now and is ludicrously successful doing so. And there, that is the story of countless people. Look at Zerka. Started off making kill cams on Modern Warfare 2 and is now one of the biggest UK YouTubers doing anything and everything that he could potentially wish to do. You have to adapt. So I may have to adapt. And at the minute, don't know. But we've got 18 months to figure that out. And hopefully through being in some of the same rooms as some of the people that are involved in that, we'll find out a little bit more and then obviously more will come out in the public domain. But hopefully we'll be able to find out something in private that will allay those fears a little bit. That's that's the one thing that could scupper stuff. I don't think it will, but it's that one thing you're like, mm, maybe. And I guess this is where the benefit's been of you not fully... I mean, you have focused on FIFA, but also you do have your hand in many pies, don't you, in relation to Fingers Formula 1... Pies. Always. Football manager, and now also potentially, we'll see what happens with this F1 manager game as well. Yeah. You're not only one game, one community exclusive. And that goes for other stuff as well. Like, I'm not just one platform exclusive. Because mm. if the FIFA bubble bursts and you only make FIFA content, you're fucked. Mm. If you're a YouTube content creator and the YouTube bubble bursts, you're fucked. So... If you can, and obviously not many people have the opportunity to, but if you can make content initially on multiple platforms and then, if possible, multiple types of content. That way, if one thing scuppers up, it doesn't screw the rest of your operation. That's been my theory. So far, it hasn't been a tested theory. I might be wrong. But... I'm hoping that having a finger in an, a FIFA, an FM, and an F1 pie, and a YouTube and a Twitch pie, is going to ensure that if one of those pies gets eaten, there's still enough pie left for me to be able to pay my mortgage. And that's what you just kind of hope continues to be the case in the future. No, brilliant. Chris, thank you so much for being a guest on the Scouting Centre. You're somebody who I've wanted on since I first started it a year and a half ago. Uh, it's about a year ago to be fair I think a year and a bit ago when I, I initially wanted you to, to be on I'm so glad that you accepted my invitation I thank you, you so much I do so remember much. you asking me about 12 months ago and I was just so busy I just couldn't so I, I, I have wanted to be on the scouting centre for well since you first asked me 12 to 18 <laughs> months ago so it's it's a tick in my book as much as it is a tick in your book my man and thank you very much for having me on yeah, well, it's been great and I feel like the viewers will get so much from this from somebody who's been at the top of the game for nine years you've accomplished so much you've achieved so much and the scary thing is I feel like the future is going to be brighter than than, than what it's already been than the past that isn't right. English that isn't English but yeah, I think you get what I mean <laughs> I get what you mean here's hoping here's hoping we can do this again in 12 months time and the numbers are still going up and the spikes are still going up but more importantly here's hoping we can do this in 12 months time and i'm just as happy and content 100 percent, and that's what it comes down to happiness and contentness 100%. right viewers i hope you enjoyed this episode 
The links will be in the description below. My stuff and Chris, Chris's stuff, Chesnoid Gaming, his YouTube link, his Twitch link, his second channel on YouTube as well, his Twitter as well. Please make sure you go follow that. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment below. Let me know what your favorite part of this interview was and who you want as future guests on the Scouting Center. And we'll see you on the next one. I've been Mr. Diz. He's been Chesnoid Gaming. Say bye, Chris. The whole time. I've been Ches <laughs> the whole time. I will see you on the next one. Take care. Bye-bye. See you, boys.